Welcome back to the Golden Puffle Podcast. It's Ty Forney, Ben Taxi, and yours truly, Matthew Coronado. We are here, ready to go this week. The big headlines out of the sports world. Number one, of course, who else? Tim Tebow signs today with the Jacksonville Jaguars as a tight end. I will add, not as a quarterback, but as a tight end. And so this signing with his former coach at Florida, Urban Meyer, is the return of Tebow, Tebow mania. Boys, what are we thinking on this? Is it useless? Is it a great pickup? What's going on? I mean, it's not a great pickup to pick up a 34-year-old that's never played the position before. That just doesn't make sense to me. I don't know if uh, you're just trying to get a little more religious in that locker room or really what the idea is. He's uh, a leader, Todd. He's a leader. He has a, I mean, yeah, leadership doesn't change, but, I mean, the guy hasn't played any form of football in the last four years. He's been trying to make the minor leagues. I mean, I don't think this is really going to mean anything. I think we see Tim Tebow get cut before the season starts unless they just keep him around to try to be a ticket draw, but you already got Trevor Lawrence as your ticket draw. So I don't really see any point to this signing whatsoever. It just feels like the Jags are moving money to move money real quick. This is a complete waste of time. There are many more people more qualified to be a tight end in the National Football League than that moron who couldn't even get past, I believe, I don't, was he on double A? I don't even think he could get past double A. And, you know, it's just like, and he played, he played a different position. He couldn't even throw a spiral at that position. So what is he doing trying to play another position now? It's just like, you know, just move on. Just go retire. Go do your pregame sports talks. You know, it's just I, move on. Well, he did win a playoff game, didn't he? That's what I was about to say, that Tim Tebow, lest you forget, won a playoff game against the prime Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh Steelers in Mile High. He was on the Broncos, but in Mile High, in overtime, throwing the game-winning pass to, I believe it was, Demarius Thomas. So Tim Tebow is a proven winner, and I think this is a great pickup for the Jacksonville Jacks. They did win 11 games that year, didn't they? Yes, but it is not that year. Or am I correct okay, to say it is not that year? Right it's not that year. It's not that year, but win, winning never changes, no matter how old you get. Is his name I mean, Tom Brady? <laughs> no, because he's Tim Tebow. Oh, that's right. It's not. He's oh, Tim Tebow, well, the tight end now, actually. Okay. Oh, Again, I will right, say that right. it's a useless sign. To borrow a phrase from Christianity, he's born again as a tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars team. And let's be honest, Tim Tebow works better at a tight end than he does at quarterback. He was never meant to play quarterback. His body, his build, he's meant to be a tight end. He has the size for it, does he not? You have a point. You have a point there. I just don't see a world where Tim Tebow gets a legitimate minute as a tight end. I think you were better off signing him as an assistant coach at this point. Good take. Good take. I think Tim Tebow has the fire. He has the passion to want to play again. And being out of the league probably has stoked that passion within him to want to come back. So he, he's got a chip. Ty, you, you love chips, don't you? Ty? I mean, the, the chip is on the shoulder. The chip, the chip is on the shoulder. A giant chip. Uh, yeah, I mean, you have a point on it, but it's – it's a guy that hasn't played tight end before. He's never played a wide out position. I mean, what's he going to do when a defensive end's coming at him and he's got to try to block him? I mean, 
Khalil Mack bearing down on Tim Tebow. I mean, Tebow Tim Tebow's has, going in the dirt. Tebow has trucked guys before. He has the ability to do it, and he stayed in shape. We've all seen the video. He's got a running start at that point, though. When you're a quarterback rushing, you have a running start to truck a guy. When you're Tim Tebow lining up against uh, Aaron Donald, I mean, you're getting put five feet down in the dirt. Matt, a lot of what you're talking about is things that happened in the past. And we are not in the past now. We are in the present. President Tim Tebow is not qualified for this. But the past does and influences the future. And that's what I'm saying about Tim Tebow. And we're talking about size. Tim Tebow, 6'3", 245. This is not – he's no small Drew Brees, Baker Mayfield quarterback that we're talking about here. This is a guy who was built for the position of tight end. I have heard he's bulking up to around – he's almost 260 right now. There you go. I mean, I, I will give you that size wise, you can do it. Size wise, maybe blocking skill, catching ability. We'll see. I don't think we'll see Tim Tebow play a legitimate snap this season. He's definitely going to have stone hands, 50% catch rate. Well, what position did he play in, uh, in baseball? I was an outfielder. Hey, I mean, you got to be able to catch there, I guess. With, we'll I, with, with we'll aid. See. This is the most difficult sport on the planet, though. Sorry, sorry, baseball. I didn't mean to diss you there. We'll see. Well, either way, we'll see how it goes for uh, Tim Tebow. He is on the roster right now. He's been signed. And uh, from what I know, the Jacksonville Jaguars do not have too many great tight ends, too many for sure starters. So it's possible that he does stay on the team. It's possible that he gets cut. So we'll see where Tim Tebow goes. It should be interesting. Moving on, though, to the NBA. As the playoffs loom in the distance, we have a couple of more games to go in the regular season. There is controversy within the NBA community, within uh, the sports media world, about the changes that are coming to the NBA playoffs in the play-in games. Uh, For those of you who don't know how the play-in game works, the 7 through 10 seed in both the Western and Eastern Conference um, are in the play-in tournament. And the way that it works is that the seven and the eight seed play each other in one game. The winner moves on to take the seventh seed in the playoffs. They automatically are in. The loser of that game will then play in the next game facing the winner of the nine, 10 seed. So theoretically, the seven seed could beat the eight seed, have the seventh seed. The eighth seed then maybe would play the ninth seed who had already beaten the 10th seed and then the eighth and the ninth seed would play one game to determine who gets the eighth spot. But it's also possible that the 10th seed could get the eighth spot if they win both of their games. So it's a, at most, it is a three game tournament before the actual playoffs start. And the reason that it's stirring so much controversy is because right now, as we speak, the Los Angeles Lakers are in the seventh seed because of the skid that they've been on because LeBron James and Anthony Davis have been injured. Um, Anthony Davis is back. The Lakers won their game, I believe, last night or the night before, but they are still in the seventh seed behind the uh, Portland Trailblazers. And the question I have, I think, for the group is that, do we think the plan game um, makes the NBA playoffs more exciting, or does it take away something from the competitive aspect of earning your seed in the playoffs? Well, I think it's, it's kind of the same issue that baseball has, where they, like, opened up more playoff spots in order to, like, maximize well increase playoff revenues because you know there's gonna be more games on there's more teams there's more stars like it's just it's more of everything and it, i think 
that's their main goal is to get more money. So my, you know, I, it might make those first few games more interesting because those teams are playing for their spot. But then after that, it's going to be the same, same old, you know, not competitive until probably maybe the semis and then for sure the conference finals and stuff. But that first one through eight round is always, it's going to be the same dud that it usually is. I mean, we live in a world right now where the Chicago Bulls could be a playoff team this year. And I think, but is that an indictment of how bad this playoff system is? Yes, my complete point there is that uh, playing games kind of ruined the whole idea. What's the point in playing 82 82 games throughout the season? Uh, I I know they didn't play the full schedule this year, right? Uh, No, they played a uh, slightly shortened schedule. I mean, in in a regular year, what's the point in playing 82 games if, you know, you get in by not being a top eight team in your conference? I think, I mean, there's a bigger debate to get into about the legitimacy of having a, a top-heavy conference in the West versus the East, which is getting better, but, I mean, that's a whole different story. The idea of a playing game at this point kind of just – it makes a lot of the other parts of the season kind of meaningless. The teams that shouldn't make the playoffs now have a chance. I mean, can you imagine if a 10-seed team goes down and makes a run now? What's like – what is their claim? to having been there other than the fact that they're getting hot right now. Well, my question is if the 10th seed team does make a run in the playoffs, then what does that say about the other teams who are in front of them? Why would they be losing to the 10th seed if they were so much better? The reason I like the plan is that it gives a reason for those bottom teams not to tank. First of all, we all hate tanking. It's not good for the NBA. It's not good for sport in general. And second of all, it makes those bottom teams actually have to work if they are tanking or not tanking even, but resting players. And here are the Los Angeles Lakers in that exact position because they've had guys injured. They've rested guys. They've lost a lot of games. So now they're in the danger of that seventh seed where they can't lose the playing game or else they're going to be out of the playoffs. And I think that the NBA doesn't want that to happen. They don't want the Lakers to be out in one game. That's a huge revenue loss for them because the Lakers are such a big name brand both with LeBron James and the dynasty as a whole. So you don't want them to go out in the playing game, but I also see the validity of it because it makes those teams compete when uh, otherwise they may feel fine being the seventh or eighth seed because it doesn't really matter what your seeding is in the playoffs. If you're the best team. You got a point there. I mean, I feel like the playing games, I mean, I love seeing the Lakers at the bottom of the, uh, standings right now are near the middle middling pack with the bottom of the playoff standings, specifically because our friend shout out to Derek being a complete bandwagon Lakers fan. That brings me joy to see you. I mean, but the biggest bandwagon fan of all time. Literally, I couldn't name a bigger one. But seeing teams like the Jazz and the Suns at the top is really cool because those were both, I mean, the Jazz are just kind of always a middling team, so it's kind of cool to see them go up. But the Suns, seeing them go that far after last year going 5-0 and in the bubble, uh, I felt like going into this year, I think that would have been a team that would have benefited from a playing game like this. So it's weird how that shift has happened now, where now we have the Lakers and the Warriors battling to play in a playing game. And you have teams like the Suns, uh, the Mavericks are up there that are now going to get in. And then, I mean, with the Lakers win with a healthy Anthony Davis and a, and a healthy LeBron James, I mean, that's a championship t- caliber team again that's going up against teams that in most seasons maybe wouldn't have been near the top of these standings. Right. And I think that it also adds, we love March madness. We love one game 
tournaments like this. I think it adds just a bit of pizzazz to the start of the playoffs to kick it off. And, and then when we get into those seven game series, I think, I think some people get burnt out by those seven game series in the NBA, particularly because it's a lot of the same. It's a lot of repetition and, you know, they can be hard to watch sometimes, especially in the first couple of rounds, because they're typically blowouts, you know, other than the five, four, maybe the six, three, but typically it's going to be a blowout and the team is just going to go sweep four Oh, but with the playing game, you get the playoffs off to a good start. It's entertaining. And you, the NBA brings in more revenue and the fans get to see their team possibly get into the playoffs like the bulls um, if they are able to get in. So personally, I think it's a good thing all around for the NBA. I can see the arguments against it though. So with, uh, with that, I guess we'll uh, wrap up our NBA talk and move on to Prem League Roundup, football roundup, five minutes of football, five seconds of football, I think is what it originally started as. But Taxi has just been so informative, so entertaining with his little football corner that we have to give him more time. So Taxi, what's going on over over there, as they might say? Over over the pond? Yes. It's, yes. It's been well. We're getting towards the end of the Premier League. There's like three match days left for most teams. Uh, Liverpool is four because of the you know those cool fans that like protested on the field and then like broke a bunch of shit. And then, that's right. Was there any was there any repercussions for anyone involved in that, or has that just blown over? I think that's pretty much just blown over. They moved the match, and no idea what happened to the people. Amazing. So life goes on, <laughs> which is a bit ridiculous. But that's for another time. But for now, though, we know that there are three teams that are going to be relegated from the Premier League. Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield. Who cares, anyways? That was known going in. But the top four race for those Champions League spots, that money for those owners, and that good football for those players is coming down to a very tight race. Leicester's currently in fourth, which is that the final Champions League spot in the Premier League, when they have about, I believe, 63 points, and they have played 35 matches. West Ham is in fifth, the Europa League spot, which is that like B-level league. And they have 58 points with 35 played. And then Liverpool has 34 played with 57 points. So it could get really spicy, you know, like it's just, and the, you have to consider the type of matchups that they have the last few weeks, but I'm like, it's really, I'm really excited. You know, as I said before, this is why I like the Prem. I can turn it on whatever. And I know there's going to be important football and that's where we're going to get these next few weeks. So this is the, this is the culmination. Is there is there a tournament played at the end of this, or how does no. it? So it's just the champion has the most points, kind of yeah. like F one. That's how that works. And that in yeah, okay. Which is a better system. I mean, if you really think about it, it's I, I, probably on a competitive standpoint, it is a better system. Entertainment wise, it's a little lackluster because you know it's like okay, you know, some it can happen sometimes where somebody loses a match. And so then somebody ends up winning based on that. And it's like, how do you celebrate that? You know, it's like, well, I mean, it's, it's, you're the best team throughout the year instead of saying you're the best team in October. No, that's, or, that's you know, Yeah. That's fair. I'm just saying that, you know, the specific moment when you win your league. Oh, right. Right. It's a little they, anticlimactic sometimes. They don't care though. They just like the, the moment of winning, no matter when it happens. Nothing. There's nothing. I've I've watched. I've seen a lot of videos of like teams celebrating and stuff. And there's like nothing like it. They no matter when it happens, the celebrations are unreal. That's that's fair. I uh, I can understand it. Um, 
But other than that, the Premier League roundup, I guess, is that is that all we have for, for this week? Yeah, there were no mass protests or any, you know, stupid moves made by ownership or anything. So this has been this is like how it normally should be, but it's been quite entertaining these past yeah. few weeks. That's understandable. That's that's typically how sports should be from week to week. Um, you know, relatively quiet, competitive. We love to see it. Um, moving on then from sports, we've hit the we've hit the three sports topics we wanted to. We hit the NFL, NBA, and now Premier League. Let's move on to entertainment. And this week, our friend, our our gracious friend Ty has made time to uh, watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the most recent Disney Plus series pertaining to the MCU. And so we wanted to uh, discuss a little bit here and get our uh, gut reactions. I think I think the best thing that we can do is everybody just give their you know minute minute long review of the series and maybe give it a score, and then we can get into some specifics if we want to. I I can start. Um, so I, I, I went into it kind of believing that it was going to be a, a, uh, in opposition to WandaVision, more of a action-based um, buddy cop type scenario with Falcon and Winter Soldier. And that's what you got, I think, for the first couple of episodes. But it did morph into something, um, I think, better and deeper as it went on. And I really liked the themes of you know, questioning authority, and um, the trans or the um, questioning of who Captain America is, and the subplot about um, uh, uh, Isaiah Wilson, I believe his name, or Isaiah um, Bradley. Bradley, thank you. Um, I thought his subplot was really well done, and I liked the um, the ending that he got with his memorial at. Uh, at the Captain America like museum area, I thought that was a nice touch, and I'm excited to see where the uh, the rest of the series go. I'll keep it there for now. I would say that I liked it a little bit less than Wandavision. I think Wandavision was in the 8.5 to 9 range. I would give this like a solid eight. I would say, um, so I'll, I'll keep it at that for now. So, boys, if you have if you have your opinion. Well, I really loved it, but I, I do. So I'll start by saying I do also think WandaVision was a little bit better. I just I liked the, like how different it was and just like I, lo- I love Vision, too. So I, that was part of it. But like for, when it comes to like, and like you know, um, putting like important, you know, important, uh, well, like significant moments in real life and applying them into a show with the with the Isaiah Bradley storyline, you know, by making like what, what what is his name again i'm blanking guys the main falcon's actual name sam oh, wilson, wilson. Yeah, okay i was blanking on that making him the actual captain america you know not just like passing off the mantle to some random guy he I, he was a good character though the, that other captain america i will give that was good I, I really hated him and that's how you know it was good acting and then from there to the actual storyline the villains were okay but um i think like and i can see it, it definitely built up over time into something much more strong than what I initially thought it was. So yeah, overall slightly worse than WandaVision, but still an excellent show. I can't make a full comparison to WandaVision. I've only seen the first four episodes of WandaVision. Uh, for me, I did enjoy Captain, or, uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier a little better, but obviously I need to see the rest of WandaVision before I can make a full claim on that. Um, I absolutely loved some of the dynamics between uh, Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie in the, in the show. Uh, 
both of them fantastic actors alone. And I love the chance to see Sebastian Stan be funny because he's always cast in like very like serious roles. So it was really cool to see him actually like still be that serious role, but also be allowed to be comedic at times. And I love the whole dynamic or uh, the whole buildup he had of kind of like trying to figure out who he is after having been a prisoner to himself the entire time, prisoner to Hydra. Um, it was, that was awesome. I think it was totally, it definitely got better as it went on. Like they were a little slow episode at the end of episode two, beginning of episode three, that was a little slow, but going into like the dynamic of them working together because they were acquaintances of Steve Rogers to moving to actually being friends. It was such a cool path to follow. And you can definitely feel that buildup between them about why uh, Bucky would have resentment towards Sam because of passing on the shield and how they can come kind of come to understand each other throughout it definitely felt like something that was huge and enjoyable to watch as well as that. Uh, I love the part where it was kind of like Sam's character. He, he agreed with the idea of the villain. I think that's what, how you know when you have a great villain going in Carly in the show is that when your people can feel some of that and be like, Oh, okay. I see this Avenue of thought. And of course what makes it a villain is always the means to, or to getting to that end. So it was definitely awesome that they gave that character something where like, yeah, I can get behind that idea of people wanting to unify and work together, but getting to that point and being as violent as they were, I love that they really showcase that and they let our characters kind of graph, grapple with that idea as well. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with you, Ty. I think that Carly, the villain, was done fairly well. I had some gripes with their group as a whole because I think that they were a little bit mistreated in some aspects. I thought that they could have used a little bit more development for some of their side characters, like the the second, you know, the, the right-hand man to Carly. I think if they would have given him a little bit more or something to, you know, to grow from, some type of character arc um, for him to, to go through, because you kind of saw it where they started to question what Carly was doing. And I thought that was really interesting because it's rare that you see in Marvel the villains questioning, you know, some type of uh, their own leader, you know, that doesn't happen too often. So I, I thought that was an interesting storyline that they were kind of starting to pursue, but didn't really fully develop. I think we could have hit that if we had a few more episodes, but I know the director wanted to keep it six. Thought Pretty she could tell, yeah. uh, thought they could tell the story in six. So I understood the constraints, but yeah, I, I saw that you saw it in the episode. I think it was episode five where they're kind of like, she's Carly's talking about killing people again. And everyone's kind of like, wait, why? Like what, what's the reasoning here? And I definitely love the dynamic it was showing us where it's like, okay, we, again, we like, we like the idea of getting to this end goal, but we don't want to lose ourselves on, along the way of getting there. And I think it was kind of added a huge humane concept to who these villains are. Cause they're not aliens. They're not androids. They're humans with an idea. And I thought that was a very cool portrayal that they had. And I, yeah, I definitely wish they would have explored that line of thought and that plot line a lot more. Yeah. And Zemo was really cool. Yeah, Zemo. We haven't mentioned Zemo. We haven't mentioned Zemo, yeah. He was a homie. I did not expect that at all going into this. Yeah, I thought it was cool to how they used him as kind of a third um, member of the, you know, of uh, Falcon and then um Bucky and then him kind of doing things together I thought that was interesting um, they kind of transformed him into like an anti-hero kind of character at least in this arc yeah. where it's well, like because... okay I I don't like you because I know what you've done 
but you're trying to somewhat do good still. And it was really, I didn't know how to feel. And I, I love that feeling while watching is that I'm like, I don't know how I should think about you. Like, I don't know what you're going to do, but also like I'm looking forward to finding out. Yeah. And the direction that I think that they're taking his character is along with, um, uh, with us agent who is who, um, John, uh, Walker. Yeah, is who John Walker becomes at the end of the series is that these characters in the comics at least end up being a part of a group called the Thunderbolts who are headed by um, uh, uh, General Ross or, Sar- or Sergeant Ross or whoever who uh, first appeared in the Incredible Hulk movie, which is no longer, it's not really a part of the MCU, but um, uh yeah, but Thund- Thunderbolt Ross is a character who um, is kind of like Nick Nick Fury in a way because he brings together this group of people and Zemo and U.S. Agent are a part of that in the comics at least. So that could be an interesting storyline that might play out later. There's, there's going to be a Marvel show actually called Thunderbolt. So that might be where he's going. The connections too. I mean, a lot of it drew from the movie content. Like you had the uh, Wakandans showing up with like the we don't forget that they killed Vachaka. It's like it's cool that we had this connection and all led together. And it feels like it's so seamless that when they announced that there's gonna be a new a new Captain America movie following Sam Wilson's story continuing from this, it's like, yeah, I can definitely see where we can flow from this into following the story of the power broker and how that character develops as well. And I think yeah, there was a fantastic job of leading this back into the MCU. So letting it like kind of let it strand away, but also keep it attached enough where you had a direction that could tie into the greater story. Yeah, I uh, I definitely um, appreciated that because they I think they did a nice job in this series of not making it too overbearing with the connections where you could certainly watch this series standalone and you'd be able to understand everything. So mm-hmm. I really liked that aspect of it. I also really liked um, Peggy Carter's role in this series. Um, I think, um, or sorry, uh, Sharon Carter. Sure. Yeah, Sharon Carter. Um, I really like Sharon Carter's role in this movie because she's done a bit of a, of a heel turn on us. Uh, she's, you know, she, she never got her pardon from the U.S. government after, um, you know, Cap and crew were, were exiled. So, um, she has a reason to be angry. And in the post credit scene, of course, you see her kind of orchestrating um, as her role as the power broker. Um, she gets her pardon, and now she's a part of the U.S. government she's working within, and that she's obviously planning something. We don't know what it is yet. And that probably is going to be pursued in that Captain America movie that you mentioned, Ty. Um, so that's another interesting strand that they, that they set up here. I, I, I really love, on a more general note, the way that these shows are setting up other things where you wouldn't necessarily need to watch the show to understand where those things are going, but watching the show gives it so much more depth and richness. Mm. That I think is the perfect way that Disney should approach these shows is just to give the fans who really are interested that level of detail that you wouldn't otherwise have if you didn't watch them. But you could still watch the next movie and yes. understand. Because like, I feel like if I had never seen this, I could watch the next Captain America movie and if they put Power Broker in there, I can be like, okay, I understand where this is coming from. Mm-hmm. But now having seen the show, I can be like, okay, I know in like, these are the feelings, this is why. 
And rather than having to get to that explanation, I know a deeper, more personal thing about the villain than you would get from a movie where they can, well, maybe have 10 minutes to show you this. Mm-hmm. And now they had six hours. Yes, I, yeah, I 100% agree with you on that. Um, if we have any other thoughts, we can fit them in here now. But I think we did a pretty nice job of uh, going over this series. Um, it was a good one. I think we all liked it. The next Disney Plus series is going to be Loki, which I think is going to be great as well. Excited for that one. Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, that's Falcon and Winter Soldier, our reactions. And we will wrap up the show with one of our favorite segments, it is the uh, Mario Sports Genre Tournament. Boys, we have a couple of good matchups today. The first one that we're looking at is Super Mario Strikers versus the Winter Olympic Games. These are a couple of classics that I played a long time ago, and they're still really good to this day. Um, if anybody wants to jump in first with their vote, go ahead. I'm going Winter Olympics here. Absolutely. I mean, Strikers is a good game. Winter Olympics, though, again, I, I, for the same reasons I enjoyed the Summer Olympics in last uh, week's episode, I think this is just a better game than Strikers. Because, I mean, you get that same feel that what I really enjoyed about uh, the Summer Olympics. I don't need to go too much in detail again. That It's the mini games. It's the ability to unlock more things as you go. But you get that. And I think it's just matchup-wise. I think the uh, Winter Olympics match up in this one better than uh, the Summer Olympics did last one, which is why I'm going to vote for the Winter Olympics here. That's a ridiculous vote per usual in this tournament so far. Strikers is, oh my gosh, I like S plus tier game in this bracket. It is, oh my, it's so fun. And it's, it's so intense too. Like, you know what I'm talking about, Matt? Because like, I know you play this a lot. Like, I know it's not like yeah, when you land onto the pitch and like you have like your Koopas and like and your hammerheads and like oh gosh, it's just like it's so awesome and all the special moves and like it's I, it's, I love that game. I just I've you know I've played Winner, but it's just like it's mini game spam. So I'm that's I'm definitely voting Strikers. <laughs> mini game spam. Hey, they're good mini games. The same way you play Mario Party for those mini games. That's mini game spam, but it's still great. I don't game. like Mario Party. Well, that's because you have bad taste. Oh, no, you, I don't have bad taste. This, we can talk about that later, but that's, yeah. that's wow. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna have to light you up for that one. But on this, on this particular vote, Winter Olympics versus uh, Strikers, I have the deciding vote. And it's going to be the series that I um, have just, I have more experience with. I, I enjoy more. I think, um, I think Taxi said it exactly right. It's the intenseness of Super Mario Strikers that really gets it for me. It's a game that you sit down with a couple of friends and you're yelling within about 10 minutes of playing. It's just that type of game. It really gets you, gets the blood pumping. It gets you, you know, those competitive juices flowing. It's uh, honestly, it's amazing that Nintendo hasn't made another uh, Strikers game uh, since the version on the Wii, because it is just an awesome series. And it's disappointing that they haven't made another one. And I love the selection of characters. Like you mentioned, Taxi, you get the Koopas and the Goombas and, all those as like the side characters. And then you have your team captains as like the main people and they all have their own special moves. There's a bunch of different fields that you can play on pitches uh, that you can play on. And uh, it's, it's a good time. I, I really enjoy strikers. Sorry, Ty, but winter Olympics is going to be out of here with that. See ya. See ya to uh, winter Olympics. Next we have Mario hoops versus Super Mario Sluggers. 
I can start on this one. Hoops is, I think, is actually an underrated game. Mario Hoops is pretty fun. Um, uh, basketball, uh, possibly my, is, I think is my favorite sport. Um, versus Super Mario Sluggers. Sluggers is, it has that Nintendo charm that you really just can't find in any other game. It's got all of the different, um, you know, you can pick your characters. It's the same kind. It's, it's very similar to, I think, Strikers in that way, is that it has a lot of customization. It has a lot of, you know, particular moves, power moves and all that. Um, I really enjoy Sluggers, and it's another one that I wish that they would bring back. So I'm going to put my vote there for this one. Ty, is this easier for you? I know it's easy for me. Okay, I'm glad we're all on the same page, I hope, because okay. I think Sluggers is one of the best games on this entire board that we have for the bracket. Um, yeah, Sluggers is just – that's a game. Like, when you think of Mario sports games, I feel like you're, as good as Mario Kart is, you don't first register that Mario Kart to sport game. You go, you're, I think your mind goes straight to Sluggers. I think Sluggers is, like, the quintessential Mario sports game. I think it's arguably what – the best one of the best on this list um i think it should win this round in a landslide personally and it will be a landslide this is a staple nintendo game it's been here forever we all love it everybody loves it and there's good reason for that quality of the game customization like you said matt and just the overall like it's just like the the feeling of smacking a ball with like diddy kong or someone doesn't there's nothing that beats it nothing that beats it Smacking a a, a baseball with Donkey Kong wearing just a boxing glove. I think that perfectly describes Super Mario Sluggers. It gives you the sound, too. It's just satisfying. Yeah, the sound design is on point. I think it actually has some good music. The score, I think, is actually pretty good. Um, The the soundtrack, I should say, scores for a movie. But um, So Sluggers, 3-0. For Sluggers, it'll move on. Um, And that's... that's, uh, all we got for the matchups this week. We'll get back to it next week. And that's all we got for the show. So thanks for sticking with us through this week's show. It's been a fun one. We got through a little bit of NFL, a little bit of Prem League, a little bit of NBA. We talked Falcon and Winter Soldier. And we wrapped, uh, we got through a little bit more of our Mario Sports uh, tournament. So for the whole crew, it's me, Matthew Coronado, Ben Taxi, Ty Forney, Golden Puffle Podcast Forever. See you next week.